Hello, hello, and welcome to Non-Technical, where I, your host, Alexis Gay, interview influential folks from tech, media, business, and beyond about everything except their resumes. Today on the show, I'm absolutely thrilled to say this is kind of a long-awaited show, kind of a big deal. We have Scott Galloway, a professor of marketing at NYU Stern School of Business, though he's done a lot of other super impressive, very interesting things prior to that, which admittedly, I'm not going to ask him that much about. Scott, thank you so much for being here. Well, Alexis, you're welcome. I know this is a big moment for you. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. you. This is your charity for the year, and I really appreciate that. No problem. Are you ready to dive in? I'm sorry. I I want to start off with a question, though. I have no (laughs) idea. So I'm here because I saw a TikTok or a reel of you, and I thought you were so funny and so insightful. I just thought, I just like this person and want to be supportive of you. So when I saw your name, I'm like, yeah, just say whatever she wants, yes. But I have no idea what you do. What do you do? (laughs) Do you know what the show is? I have zero context for any of this. I'm I'm just here. I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea what you do. I love it. Yeah, you know, it's all good. You don't so, need to. Yeah. That's the fun part. Wow. So back, back to my question. What do you do? What do, I'm a comedian a, and a podcaster. Before for that, I worked in tech for seven years. So you are the junior version of Michelle Wolf. Oh, yeah. She's great. And she's got a very similar backstory to you. Really? I didn't know that. What gave you the confidence to leave what was probably a, an emerging career and mm. pursue just a terribly insecure, low-paying career? <laughs> I don't know. I'm having a great time. You know, what happened was one day I logged onto Twitter and I saw Scott Galloway followed you. And that just gave me the confidence. That's what you needed, right? That was the sign from God. Yeah. And then the rest is history. But was there a moment where you said, I'm going to make a living at this? (laughs) It's not that interesting. I promise you. It's interesting of mine. No, it's not. It's really not. I mean this sincerely. I I I should have said this at the end. I really think you're a rare talent. Like you immediately stood out on my feet. I was just like, this is individual is smart, crisp, fearless, all the things you want in a a comic anyways. That is so kind of you. That's so so nice. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate it. Well, I'm so grateful to have you here. Love to start the podcast with positive feedback for me. Mm-hmm. I feel like I should make that something Good. moving forward. Like we should start, I should introduce Important. the guest, and then I'm like, what do you have nice to say about me? And then we'll get started. 100%. Back to you. <laughs> no, definitely <laughs> and fully back to you. This episode of Non-Technical is brought to you by me. I'm just a girl standing in front of a podcast audience asking you to sign up for my email list, to stay tuned for upcoming stand-up shows and other exciting announcements. I promise to only email you when I have something important to say. Trust me, I don't want any extra email either. You can sign up now at bit.ly slash hello from Alexis. That's bit.ly slash hello from Alexis. Scott Galloway is a professor of marketing at NYU's Stern School of Business and a serial entrepreneur. He was named one of the world's best business professors by Poets and Quants. Scott has founded nine companies, including Profit, Red Envelope, L2, and Section 4. He is the New York Times bestselling author of The Four, The Algebra of Happiness, and Post-Corona. Scott has served on the boards of directors of the New York Times Company, Urban Outfitters, Berkeley's Haas School of Business, Panera Bread, and Ledger. Across his Prof G and Pivot podcasts, No Mercy, No Malice newsletter, and his YouTube channel, he reaches millions. He has won multiple Webby and Best Podcast Awards. His latest book, Adrift, America in 100 Charts, debuted on the New York Times bestseller list in October. 
Scott Galloway. Welcome to Non-Technical. All right. Great to be here. Oh, it's so nice to have you here. I'm so thrilled. I have a question for you. How did you spend your last day off? Oh, my last day off. I'm outstanding at doing nothing. I'm mm. in, back in, uh, so I moved to London about eight months ago. Really? Yeah. And I'm back in Delray Beach oh. where I have a home and hanging out with friends. If it was a day off, I'm going to guess it had something to do with Netflix and edibles. I'm just going to go with that. And you have two or more giant dogs? I have one giant dog. I have a Great Dane, Leia. I grew up with a Great Dane. I assumed there were multiple dogs. I've seen a lot of photos there, of this one dog. There are multiple dog. dogs. One's a rescue. Okay, okay, okay. I'm a big fan of uh, rescue and mutts, and they just seem to understand that they were, you know, moments from death, and they're more grateful, and they're sure. better dogs. And I would always recommend getting a mutt, but I grew up with a Great Dane, and my whole life, I've always wanted a purebred Great Dane. And as a gift to myself last year, I got a Great Dane named Leia, who, if you are on my Instagram feed, you will see a lot of pictures and videos. Yeah, I love this dog. It's a giant dog. Is it, it is Leia, Leia, like Princess Leia, or did you Princess come with Princess Leia, absolutely. And the other little one is Gangster, our rescue. Oh, that's so cute. Okay, so pets? the last... No, I don't have pets. I don't okay. have a pet lifestyle currently. There you go. Doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? I tell young people they shouldn't have pets. No, it's so limiting. Yeah, agreed. Also, I live in New York. I'm in Brooklyn, and I have no oh, I space. I thought you were in San Francisco. Well, I was for four years. Mm -hmm. Good for you, where all, where all the cool kids live. Nice. That's right. Your last day off probably has something to do with Netflix and edibles. Were edibles something that you were always into, or is that a recent thing? Is that a pandemic thing? Uh, I spent a lot of my five years at UCLA, you know, with my face hermetically sealed to a bong. So <laughs> I smoked a lot of pot in college and okay. could recite word for word every um, line from Planet of the Apes. Okay. Uh, so sure. I had that going for me. Great. And then That's I got very good. serious very fast. My career, my first job was at Morgan Stanley, and they just didn't tolerate, like, you know, not working around the clock. Right. And I kind of took sort of a 20 or 25-year hiatus from substances. I didn't Long drink time. a lot. Yeah. I didn't smoke a lot. I was mm. very focused on just kind of trying to get ahead. And then I slowly waddled back. Moving back to New York <laughs> it involves alcohol. Yes. When you're single and you live in New York, it just kind of adds up to alcohol. Yeah. And then as I've gotten older, I've tried to get a little bit more health conscious. And mm. I work out a lot. I eat really well such that I can drink. And yeah, I think yeah, yeah. Okay. In moderation. Moderation, yeah. Alcohol is wonderful. But I find as I get older that processing alcohol just becomes increasingly difficult. So I'm replacing it with edibles. I joke a lot about edibles. I probably do it once a week, maybe twice mm. a week. Mm. Helps me sleep. Helps me relax. But yeah, it's something I enjoy. How That's about great. you? What drugs do you do, Alexis? <laughs> I love that question. No one's ever asked me that on the record before. Okay. I actually, the first time I ever smoked weed, I was 24 mm -hmm. years old. Mm -hmm. And it was because I just decided, let's do it. That'd be so fun. You were 24. You made it through college without smoking weed? And you were at NYU. Yeah. Well, I felt concerned about the impacts on brain development. I just didn't like the idea of it. Anyway, so it was just so funny at 24 years old. Why not? Hang on. I got, uh, did you drink through college? Uh-huh. Not super crazy or anything like that. All right. That was so boring. Me? That was just nothing. No, no. I'm very exciting. Okay. Well, your drug use is not that interesting. Anyways, go ahead. Try mushroom chocolates. That's my new thing. Do you think that's right for everybody? Oh, nothing's right for everybody. I'm afraid of that. I'm afraid of hallucinogenic drugs. I'm no, no, no. It. Mushroom chocolates are actually lighter. I never want to feel out of control. Right. That's why I didn't smoke pot for so long. Yeah, and I don't. I never want to feel paranoid or I don't right? like any of that. Feels feel so bad. The largest study on happiness, Alexis... Hmm. showed that the feature most common in people who are happy were deep, meaningful relationships, and the feature most common in people who are unhappy is alcohol. 
it is the number one source. If you take the cohort that is least happy, the thing that is most present in their life relative to the control group is yeah. alcohol. But I'm a better version of me drunk, a little bit fucked up. Anyway, it's up to very personal decisions around this stuff. I don't think there is a wrong or right path around substance. So I have a question. You have a lot of facts and figures memorized all the time. See above does drugs. <laughs> Is that all just up there in your brain all the time? Is this what it's like having like a personal chat with you if I ran into you at like a coffee shop or something? You bring the data. When people want to have lunch with me or get to know me personally, they're generally disappointed. I'm an intense, quiet person. The way I relax, I like to listen. You feel that they're disappointed or they've oh, expressed yeah. that they're disappointed? Yeah. No, this is the charming Scott. This is the charming you're be, you're, Oh, this is that you're being charming yeah, right now. No, no, this is... Okay. No, no, no. I'm... I'm Fucking fascinating and charming on a podcast or in front of a group of people. Sure, it's, sure. Okay. It's one-on-one or in personal situations that people are really underwhelmed and disappointed. Because you are quiet and intense? My favorite thing to do is just kind of be in an interesting scenario, you know, interesting yeah. context and listen. That's how I relax. Where I am at my steady state and my happiest is when I can hear my kids, but I don't have to interact with them. Interesting. <laughs> I'm an introvert unless, really? there's a, unless there's a microphone or a TV in front of, or a camera in front of me. That's a very interesting dichotomy. That so when the Do camera's you find on your personality is different off off and on mic. It's different, but it's not a massive swing. Mm-hmm. That's authentic. That's good. But I built my creative persona or my comedy persona off of me, so it's not that it's such a far cry. It's not a costume I have to put on to perform. But I too have that fear in person sometimes where I think I am not as interesting or I'm not as dynamic mm-hmm. or I'm not as funny as Imposter this other syndrome. version yeah, that people think. But great comedy comes from it. This is I'm so happy you're my guest on your podcast. Great <laughs> comedy. Great comedy usually comes from pain. Is there a source of pain or trauma in your life or something you had to overcome that inspires? I think that's a, that's a very fascinating question. Where it's, a, well, it's a fascinating assertion that great comedy comes from pain. I don't know if I agree with that. For right. me, it comes much more from curiosity. I'm very curious yeah. about things. And I'm very yeah. curious about hypocrisy in particular. Hypocrisy yeah. really stands out to me. But is it because hypocrisy bothers you and you've been on the wrong end of it? No, it's just I find it fascinating seeing it in myself and in other mm-hmm. people. I've always cared a great deal about authenticity. And so I think it's it's interesting. Who are your role models? Who are your favorite comedians? Scott, you are on my. I'm sorry, we'll get back to me. My favorite topic <laughs> is me. We'll get back there eventually. Eventually, <laughs> who are your? Give me your two or three favorite comedians. Mike Birbiglia. Oh, I love Mike. Yeah, he's amazing. Dad jokes. Oh, I'm fr- I'm actually friendly with Mike and I are Twitter friends. That's oh yeah, no, us too. Yeah, he's great. John Mulaney is absolutely fabulous. She's not a stand-up, but Tina Fey is like a huge idol of mine, as well as Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Yeah, brilliant. My podcast co-host, Kara Swisher, I always say I'm the Tina Fey to her Alec Baldwin. I saved her career. I've been a a pivot listener. By the way, that's not true. She discovered me, but I like to say that just to rib her. (laughs) Did you know that Kara's been on this pod? Really? Yes. Wow. I did not know that. How do you feel now? Do you feel better? My first inclination is I wonder if you're gay. Uh, That's the first (laughs) thing that ran through my mind, but... Yeah, yeah, that's great. Wonderful. Okay. Good for her. Good for her. <laughs> good for her. Good for you one, and her. That one is probably good for me. All right. I have a question for you, Scott. Sure. What is the tiniest hill that you're willing to die on? So something inconsequential that you would really go to bat for. Trying to increase the number of freshman seats at colleges. College changed my life. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, one of the great travesties in America is this rejectionist culture where college grads applaud their leadership of their alma mater to maintain current freshman size, class Mm. size, thereby making it harder for unremarkable kids. Such as me, when I applied to UCLA, the admissions rate was 76%. Now it's 9%. I think me and my colleagues are drunk on arrogance and self-aggrandizement and have slowly but surely robbed middle-class kids of just tons of opportunity. 
Anyways, that got very serious very fast. Yeah. I think that is a very consequential hill. I think that sounds very important. Not a small hill, is it? I didn't answer Mm-mm. your question very well. I could phrase it differently to say, what is something that you care about a lot more than other people? Again, this isn't a small hill, but it's just something I'm very focused on. Mm. I think a lot about failing young men. Oh, yeah. I've heard you speak on that for sure. You went to NYU. When I walked yes. down the halls of NYU, I see... Women of consulting. I see golden seeds, female angel investors. I see female support groups. I see nothing for young men. Mm. And the young men I know, three times as likely to be addicted, four times as likely to kill themselves, 12 times as likely to be incarcerated. I think America has become slowly but surely increasingly difficult. No cohort has fallen further faster than young men. Again, Mm. another big hill. I think just think of something trivial that I'm passionate about. That is another big hill. I'm failing. I'm not doing well. I needed to come up with something cute that was very important to me. I'm super (laughs) into champagne. I am finally comfortable with champagne. Did that take a long time? To come out of the closet as someone who loves champagne. Well, I you drink said champagne it, I'm finally I'm into champagne. About, I'm passionate about champagne. Passionate about champagne. Yeah. Do you have a favorite? Ruinart, Blanc de Blanc. Oh my Ooh. gosh. I love Ooh. Ruinart. It's the best champagne in the world. Do you think champagne is an anytime drink? That sounded so douchey. Yeah, I come home and I drink champagne alone. I don't think it's necessarily douchey to come home and drink champagne. I think if you like we're spraying it on people. I've done that when I was younger. And when I was sure. trying to signal my worth as a mate by wasting money to strange people. I no longer do uh, that. Did it work? No, clearly mm. not. I've been to this place called Cloud Nine at Aspen where they okay. have a lunch seating where they buy, everyone buys champagne and they spray on each other. And the first time <laughs> I went there, I thought it was kind of interesting and fun. And then yeah. I've done it about four times. And each time I'm like increasingly just like horrified and disappointed in myself. And I got involved yeah. in this charity called Charity Water that, that, that makes, you know, wells for safe potable water in Africa. Yes. I realize I'm virtue signaling right now. And I just like, the fact that there are a bunch of people in Aspen spraying champagne on each other. Yep. At some point, you know, the staff are going to jump over the counter, kill us all, and then yeah. have that revolutionary moment. It does feel like in order to participate in the champagne spraying brunch, you maybe should also have to make a donation to charity water. It's like the equivalent to offsetting your carbon when you take a flight. I, I found the only way you can do it and not just be horrified is just to be ridiculously fucked up. That could work as well. Yeah, that helps. But yeah, I Okay, champagne. good to know. Um, tell me this. Is there a song yeah. that whenever you hear it totally takes you back in time? Tom Petty, Even the Losers. Where does it take you? It takes me to my freshman year of college. Ooh. Yeah, we, you know, used to had actual albums. Like on records or CDs? No, actual vinyl. Cool. And being shoved in with three guys that I had never met before in a, you know, the pledge room in my fraternity. And we used to just play Tom Petty all the time. It takes me back. How about you? What song takes you back? Mm-mm. You still no, listen to that this? song. Who's your favorite comedian? <laughs> yeah. Anything 80s takes me way back to college. I think everyone's mm. like that. Something about your brain gets music. The I music think so too. you listen to between the age of 17 and 24 somehow yes. like get baked into your gray matter. Absolutely. If you weren't doing what you do now professionally, what do you think you would be doing? Navy SEAL, Broadway dancer, or chiropractor. Ooh, in that order? Still time. Next life. Okay. Except I'm not that strong. I don't have that much rhythm. I don't like to deal with people. So all three hmm. probably wouldn't work. But I, those are the three jobs I'd want most in my next life. Those are three very different jobs. Mm-hmm. What appeals to you about being a Broadway dancer? I've always found people who have that sort of grace and rhythm around. I've always just been jealous of people who move well. I'm just so drawn. And I think we as a species don't realize how much body language and elegance and grace mm. kind of draws us to people. You know, people who just can move really well. Absolutely. When I first moved to New York, 
I fell in with a group of Broadway dancers, a bunch of guys. My closest friend back in New York moved back with me, and he fell into this kind of cool group of Broadway dancers. And I just was so like, I don't know, just generally impressed by them and what they did. Anyways, next life, Broadway dancer. You said you don't think you have rhythm, but are you a good dancer? When I'm fucked up, I think I'm a good dancer. So you think it takes alcohol? Oh, 100%. If you could dance drunk, you can dance sober. I'm 6'2 and skinny. I look like Ichabod Crane having an epileptic seizure <laughs> when I have when I dance. So you think being taller makes it harder to be a good dancer? Oh, 100%. No, I don't think Broadway so. stars are all like 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, but here's the thing. Here's the okay, tragic part me. is I start having a few makers and gingers and I start yeah. believing I have rhythm. Yeah. And then if I have five or six, I'm like, it would be unfair not to share a little Scott. <laughs> <laughs> no, dancing means alcohol for me. That means that the rhythm is there inside 100%. you. You just—it's the inhibition. Is it a fear? Is it I'm going to look stupid on All the dance floor? No, it's—it's—it goes broader than that. I'm more affectionate. I'm more expressive with my emotions. I'm a mm. nicer person. I'm a better version of me. You really think that? Better version? I do. Yeah. Yeah, mm. I've gotten, I believe what Churchill said, I've gotten more out of alcohol than it's gotten out of me. I call people and express emotion, and the next time I'm a little embarrassed, and then two days later, I'm glad I did it. Do you get an emotional hangover from that? Do you know that term? No, I just get a hangover. Just regular hangover. Okay. Yeah, not an emotional. I think the way you treat your pets and yeah. how you behave under the influence is very revealing in people. Wow, that's so interesting. I remember having friends when I was younger, and they would get violent when they get <gasps> drunk. And I'd be like, oh my God. I can't be friends with this guy. Or they get mean. And everyone says, oh, gin makes mean. No, gin makes assholes mean. Yeah, agreed. So I think it's very illuminating how behave, people behave when those barriers come down. Okay, so if you're hitting the dance floor, it's probably because there were a couple drinks involved. 100%. And then the chiropractor is an interesting one. What is it about chiropractic work that appeals to you? Love bodies, love the notion of just always been fascinated. I initially thought I was going to be a doctor. Everyone starts uh -huh. out at UCLA, uh, pre-med, and then Organic chemistry kind of disavowed me of that delusion. Mm. But yeah, I just find it's that's fascinating. I love huh. it. Aren't you fascinated on TikTok with people adjusting other people? I actually don't spend time on TikTok. Oh, you don't? I feel shamed. Oh, you shouldn't. Why do you feel shamed? Why don't you spend time on TikTok? I don't enjoy it. Why? Why don't you enjoy it? There's more there. You don't feel like it's good for you? You feel like it's a waste of time? You just literally don't enjoy it. Hmm. Well, what I find happens is it's really great for like five minutes or like three minutes. And I'm yeah. like, huh, that's so funny or that's so clever or wow, people, young people today are so much more confident than I ever was at age whatever. Right, right. And then after like three to five minutes, I feel like I'm wasting my life. It oh, gives me the feeling of wasting my life. That's common sense. Yeah. I hate that feeling so, so much. And so if I am going to go on TikTok, I'll go usually for a specific purpose. Like I'm a Taylor Swift fan. And so when her new album was coming out, I wanted to hear what's all the drama, what's going on, mm -hmm. what's going on with this album. And I knew that TikTok would provide that for me. So I would go on and look at only Taylor Swift stuff on TikTok. Yeah, it's fascinating just to see what the algorithms things you want so totally i love watching videos about great dance i knew that mm. i love watching people get adjusted i didn't know yeah. that and i love watching people talk about social justice issues that also happen sure. to be very hot and i kind of knew both those things and then there's that part of it where i'm just like i don't know about this yeah no, you're i don't smart. know yeah, good i don't like you. it well done i don't spend a lot of time on social yeah good for you that's great is it i don't know well, I would think as a comedian that you would yeah. get a lot of inspiration. I mean, TikTok's basically, for me, become the Bill Burr network. Every other <laughs> video is a bill. Here's what's interesting, though. I'm a creator on these platforms, and yeah. being a consumer is helpful to understand 
how to produce that work. But in my opinion, my most interesting insights or my most like refreshing perspectives don't come from scrolling. It comes from like being a person out in the world. And then by, I use my knowledge of these platforms to take that perspective and then package it up to be distributed on them. There's something to that. You approach comedy from probably a more unique perspective because you're not being influenced or you, the guardrails are less visible to you around what kind of comedy works on TikTok or what doesn't. I think that's incredibly accurate for me. And it's in some ways intentional. And in some ways, it's just I don't want to spend my life scrolling. I want to spend my life doing things and talking yeah. to people. Okay. Speaking of talking to people, yeah. <laughs> incredible segue. Tell me this. Have you ever injured yourself in like an unconventional or embarrassing way? I've been really blessed that way. I've never really had, I've never broken a bone. I spent a okay. brief amount of time in the hospital for a weird heart condition when I was in, uh, just out of college. But no, I've never had the unconventional thing. Yeah. Let's go, let's get very serious here. Is um, <laughs> when I was playing soccer in high school, I got kicked in the face and I used to have terrible bloody nose, as is the reason I've never done cocaine. I thought this is probably not the right drug for me. I get these terrible bloody noses. My mom used to stay huh. up with me and give me math problems to relax me. Because when you wake up as a 16-year-old or 17-year-old and you're spraying blood from your face. Oof. Anyways, bloody noses were the were the weird sure. injury I had. Sure. Okay, that makes sense. Do you have any truly useless talents, like things you're really good at that just have no real-world application? I can juggle. Really? Yeah, Why? I can juggle. Can you juggle? I don't, know. I don't know. Have you always been able to juggle or did you sit down one day and think, I'm going to learn? I learned how to juggle early. I'm pretty good at foosball. That's oh, yeah. Superpower. Yeah. Okay. That's a good a one. Time in the fraternity playing foosball. Sure. What's the most recent situation where you laughed the hardest? <laughs> On TikTok, I saw this video of a guy. <laughs> it's a comedy thing. It's fake, but it starts off, you think it's real. It's this guy, this, I think he's a comedian, and his partner is a woman, and he's pretending to be a, bli a blind guy. <laughs> okay. With a guide dog, and mm. his guide dog, Shadow, lunges and attacks somebody. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it, but I just couldn't stop laughing. There are only two people in the world that make me laugh out loud. And one is uh, my friend, Dr. David Frey, who's a dentist. And mm. my other is my friend, Lee Lotus. But mm. I've, I've almost, it's sort of sad. I was coach young men. If you laugh out loud, really try and go hard into the laughter because I agree. you can forget how to laugh. I tell the story a lot. From the age of 29 to 45, I didn't cry once in 16 years. I didn't Whoa. cry. You forget how to cry. Oh, no. Yeah. And I also kind of forgot how to laugh out loud really hard. So I think it's important when you do laugh out hard to really try and lean in and try and make yourself laugh hard and get used to it and become yeah. good at it because it's a lot of fun. It's so fun. It's the best. I would like to spend as much of my time laughing as possible. 100%. Like that, that's my, that would be a great goal. It's a great KPI, great lifetime KPI. There you go. If you could choose one social nicety to do away with, like saying bless you or holding the door, is there anything you'd get rid of? Saying goodbye before you leave. I like Irish exits. You're a fan of them? I just... Just get out of there. Just, you're ready to go? Just out. Just mm. disappear. Yeah, what don't you like about it? This is how I'm across. Once I'm in a city, I was in Miami last week for a speaking mm. gig. And I woke up at like 9 a.m. And I had a great time there. I was there for a few days. And I woke up and the, it was windy and the weather was shitty. And Florida loses about 110% of its charm when the weather's not nice. Oh, I know. My mom lives there. And I was there during the cold snap over winter. And I yeah. was not happy. It's like all the bad of the South with none of the good Literally, of Florida. Literally, yes, yes. 
Yeah. So anyways, when I decide I want out of resort or out of a city, it's like yep. a jailbreak for me. Yes. Yeah. I'm on kayak calling, getting a boarding pass <laughs> on my way to the airport. Yeah. I just, and when I'm ready to leave a party, I just want to leave. I don't want to like yes. go up and say goodbye. I, I don't like the nicety of having to say goodbye. Okay. What about a dinner party, a small party, yeah. like eight to 10 people? I wouldn't be on a date and just walk up and leave. <laughs> yeah. Eight or 10 people. That's easy. Uh, yeah. We're, I'm going now. <laughs> I'm leaving now. Yeah. <laughs> But I've I've had dinner parties where I go to sleep and everyone just I don't want I don't want to break up the party and all this like so you just go disappear. to sleep yeah, just, do you make an announcement like I'm gonna go to no, sleep you guys keep going just kind of disappear and then people are like where did Scott go as long as there's alcohol and you know the music I find my friends are fine they don't mind that's they don't great. miss me they don't that's miss great me. yeah okay this is a two part question for you okay who would play you in a movie about your life mm-hmm. and the second part is. What chapter of your life would make the most compelling movie plot? Younger Bruce Dern would play me. Okay. And the most compelling part of my life? I don't know. I don't think I've led that remarkable a life. It could be any period of time, by the way. It could be a day, a week, three weeks, a year. I think that the professionally and personally, uh, you know, the made for TV movie of the week would be one professionally. I'm older than you. And I was in San Francisco during the 90s and raising... Mm-hmm tens or hundreds of millions of dollars for my crazy internet and e-commerce startups. That was a unique moment in time. Yeah. And we had some of that the last, since the Great Recession, the last 10 years, but it still was more unique then. We just didn't know what we were doing and everything seemed possible. Hmm. San Francisco, it was never innocent, but it seemed a little less or seemed a little bit more innocent. That was professionally kind of, I would say the, I don't know, the most marking or identifying time of my life. That's and then cool. I lived in personally, probably the most interesting part of my, or time of my life was when my mom was very sick. I moved in with her in mm. a seniors community and me and my mm. mom were living together in a retirement community, which was just sort of unusual and fun. That is unusual. Yeah. It was in Las Vegas and my mom retired and she'd been diagnosed for kind of the third and last time. And, you know, my mom was a lot of my life. I was ra- raised by a single mother who lived in a secretary. It was just me and her. And mm. I decided, oh, I'm going to do this right. And I moved in yeah. with her. And I was really blessed. I had some economic security, some flexibility yeah, uh, yeah. working at NYU. So I moved into the Del Webb Active Living Community in Summerlin, Nevada. Oh, yeah. I've heard of Del Webb. Yeah. You know, my mom, I said, what's on your bucket list? Because, you know, it's one of those things you got kind of six to 12 months, get your affairs in order. It's like my only bucket list is to die at home. And I'm like, okay, I can make that happen. Okay, yeah. And anyway, so during the day... And I was bored, depressed, angry, I don't know, whatever. A bored young man with a little bit of money is a dangerous person or not a very productive person. And so mm-hmm. I was living with my mom. And during the day, I was managing her health care, watching Everyone Loves Raymond and Friends and Jeopardy with her. And at night, I was going to downtown Las Vegas and getting ridiculously fucked up with strippers. And yeah. then I'd come home, pass out, yeah, and then wake up at 10 and start all over. It was a very, like a big contrast in my life. My days were much different than my nights. Did you ever make friends there? Define friends. (laughs) Like friends who you weren't paying to dance around you. I made some friends with some entrepreneurs. There were some interesting people doing starting, but no one I stay in touch with. Okay. I was, yeah, I wouldn't describe, I didn't make a lot of what I call long lasting relationships or friendships. That makes sense. So when you would go out at night though, that means you'd go out alone. Oh yeah, I'm very comfortable going out alone. My probably mm-hmm. my favorite I don't know, you probably already asked this question, I didn't answer it. One of my favorite things is to eat at a nice restaurant at the bar alone. I love Why it. is that? I just find it relaxing and nice. Um I just really enjoy eating alone. Would you say you're someone that likes talking to people? I like listening. Yeah, me too. I make my living talking. Yeah. And me too. so for me it, to relax is to listen. I, I really agree. enjoy listening to other people talk. And, and uh, like I said, my, my happy place is ambient noise and my kids 
Yeah. Like I love spending time with my kids. I just don't enjoy watching them or engaging mm. or parenting them. Okay. And uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's more fun. I don't know if you're paid. You're paid to be an extrovert, and yeah. I find that when you relax. Um, if you're paid to be an extrovert, you know, I'm either speaking in front of a group of kids, students, conference speaking, that when I'm not working, I don't usually pretty quiet. Hmm. I can't say I'm usually pretty quiet when I'm not working, but I definitely prefer other people to talk. I it's like funny to though when you eat there. alone. I, I've eaten at some of the finest restaurants in Manhattan alone, and people mm. come up to you and say, sometimes they recognize you, sometimes they don't. They come and say, would you like to join us? They're like, feel sorry for you. I'm like, no, I'm good. Oh my gosh. <laughs> This is a oh feature, not a bug for me. I like being here alone. Yes. Wow, that's so interesting. I don't eat out alone a lot. Maybe I should consider it. It's probably harder for you. I think a guy that looks like me at my age gets left alone. I'm not sure if that okay. would happen to you, but mm. yeah, it's probably a sexist statement. It's probably a hate crime. But possibly, yes. <laughs> Just a light hate crime to close out mild, the podcast. You know, mild hate misdemeanor. Scott, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. This episode of Non-Technical is still brought to you by me. You've heard of self-love, self-compassion, and self-care, but have you heard of self-sponsorship? If you can't sponsor yourself, how the hell are you gonna get sponsored by somebody else, right? I think that's what RuPaul was talking about. Anyway, you can sign up for my email list at bit.ly slash hello from Alexis to stay tuned for upcoming stand-up shows and other exciting announcements. That's bit.ly slash hello from Alexis. And we're back with Scott Galloway, professor of marketing at NYU Stern School of Business. Scott Galloway, we've arrived at a very exciting moment in this episode okay. of Non-Technical. Yep. We've arrived at the lightning round. Oh, great. Oh, good. All right. I'm in. Are you ready? I'm in. I'm ready. Okay. Coffee or tea? Coffee. How do you take it? Lots of milk. Really? Whole milk? Mm, whatever. Yes. You have no preference on the milk? None whatsoever. So almond milk, fine. Yeah, I'm good. That's fascinating to me. Yeah. This is something people feel very strongly about. Yeah, not me at all. Cream? Yes to all of it. Wow. That's beautiful. What a beautiful life you live, that any kind of milk. <laughs> I was not expecting that kind of positive reinforcement from being kind of a milk slut, but thank you. <laughs> I just think it's unusual. People feel very specific and strong, strongly about their coffee I'm choices. Incredibly non-discerning. It's like... Is it flesh from an animal that uh, that's resulting sure. in deforestation and is an alcohol? Boom, I'm yep. done. I could do that three times a day. Okay. Um, and is this hot or iced coffee? Hot. Always? Not always. I'm flexible. You live in Florida, yeah? Or you spe you've spent time in Florida? I'm living in London right now, but have yep. also spent a lot of time in Delray Beach, Florida, and a lot of time in Soho. I spend a lot of time in New York. Love. Do you have a favorite New York coffee shop then? I bet you're right by Felix. Do you ever go to Felix? Not a lot. I like the fancy coffee. I like San Ambrose and I like Le Colombe. Is that what it's called? Yep. Le Colombe. Yep. Wait, I think Felix is fancier than La Colombe. Really? I'll check it yes. out because I like to signal my success to strangers. Me too. I want people to know that I used to have $7. There you go. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Okay, that's my recommendation for you. Are you a board game person? No, but I hate board games, but I do them because I have sons and we play Risk and Monopoly and all that good stuff. Okay. But yeah, it's torture for me. When you're playing with your kids, do you find it enjoyable? Oh, yeah. I describe it as my whole life has always been about more. I want more professional relevance. I want more money. Mm. I want more experiences. Yeah. Because I was more, no matter what it was, okay. I was never sated. The only time I ever feel satisfied or sated is when I'm with my kids. I don't imagine different kids or more monopoly. I'm like, okay, this is it. It's the only time I've That's ever like, kind of checked a box. But if your friends were like, hey, let's play a game. Mm -mm. What do you think? That's you, when I do my Irish no? exit. See about where did, Scott go? <laughs> where did Scott go? Where did Scott go? Yeah, that's not for me. 
That's not my gig. When you make the bed, do you use a top sheet or no top sheet? I haven't made my bed in 10 years. Does someone make it or do you just go through the day with an unmade bed? There's no way to answer that question without looking like a jerk. I can't wait to hear this. I'll just say I don't make my own bed. (laughs) That was pretty good. That was Mm -hmm. pretty good. Have you ever read a book twice? Yeah, I read The Winds of War uh, twice. I like war books. And I've read most of Peter Drucker's books. He's an economist from the 60s. It's difficult. I don't read a lot of books. Um, I actually do that pretty frequently. When I read a book and I think it's good, I'll try and read certain chapters again to hardwire it. And I like data and analogies. And, you know, I parrot a lot of Peter Drucker. You know, office buildings will be like the pyramids. We will come to marvel at them, but they will play no useful role. I mean, I I find (laughs) a good book, if you read it more than two or three times, you get out of it, more out of it, because it starts to really bake in. Yeah, I do. Yeah, definitely. Is there a character from pop culture that you really closely associate or identify with? Uh, Walter White from Breaking Bad. Really? Yeah. What particular aspect? The drive, the pressure, and the intense fear of failure of not being father, a good a good provider. Mm. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that and makes it, sense. And, it, and such an insane addiction to relevance that you turn into something that you're not especially proud of and can't read the label from inside yeah. the bottle. I, I thought that show really moved me. Do you still feel that way? Do I still feel that way? I like to think I'm getting older, but I mean, we all talked about addiction. I'm addicted to yeah. other people's affirmation. It's really... Currently? Yeah. No, I mean, not as much. Once you recognize an addiction, you can sort of modulate it, but yeah. the fuck do I care what people think of me on Twitter and the reality is I don't know why, but I do. And mm. it's something that I'm working on. That's interesting. Okay. I think you're great. Does that help? You know what? That means a lot. That makes me feel really <laughs> good. That makes me feel nice. Yeah, I appreciate that. I'm a big words of affirmation fan. It's really interesting. The easiest thing you can do is, I think the most, and Cindy Gallup said this, the greatest underutilized resource in the world is good intentions. Mm. And something I've tried to do as I get older, because I wasn't good at it, is every time I have a good thought, I do try and express it to people. So, you know, yes. I think you're super impressive. And men aren't good at that, especially mm. men to other men. Mm. Yeah. And so I try, I try to, I'm trying to be more positive and open with my emotions. It's not easy for me. It's challenging. It's a vulnerability thing for 100%. sure. But I want everyone to know how I feel about them all the time. But I think mine comes from a place of, I just, I just want them to know. They should just know. What if they never find out, you know? But see, that's a really, that's a moment of security. And when you get kids... Like, I never used to really say I love you to anybody. And now mm. my kids, whenever, I mean, literally, my kids are leaving to go to lunch. And they're like, I love you. And what you realize as you get older is like, you just never, ever regret saying that. You That's never think, oh, I, I wish I hadn't said that. It's like, yes. it, there's nothing but upside. Yes. And then where it gets harder, especially, I think, I think women are better at this, is men saying to other men, you know, I really admire you. Or you did such a great Ooh. job there. Or, yeah, yeah. And also, as I've run companies, I wish I'd been more forthcoming to pull younger people. And I've gotten better at this. Young people need watering and bring them into yes. a room. And I did more of this once I hit my 40s. Grab somebody, pull them into a conference room and go, you know, you were outstanding. Or I just read this and mm-hmm. it's really well done. You're a really rare talent. And yeah. no matter how smart they are or how credentialed they are or how successful they are, you can just see them light up. Absolutely. And it's not hard. It's just no. so easy. To, it's just not It's not hard to do. It's, it doesn't take a ton of time. I wish I'd started that much earlier in life. Do you have a pump up song? Electric Light Orchestra, Don't Bring Me Down. Oh, okay. Little Elo. Love to see mm-hmm. it. This is my mm-hmm. final question for you, Scott, okay. which is very sad to me. What would you title your memoir? Nothing's Ever As Good Or As Bad As It Seems. By Scott Galloway. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> Read by Bruce Dern. <laughs> Read by Bruce. 
a young Bruce Dern. A young Bruce Dern. <laughs> Yeah. Fabulous. Scott, thank you so much for coming on Non-Technical. Alexis, you are so welcome. I literally, I saw your name. It's so much fun when you're a fan of someone. I'm really, I'm legitimately a fan of yours. Thank you. And they ping you and say, do you want to come on my podcast? And I realized the arrogance of the statement. I say no to almost everything. Mm. And my assistant goes, polite decline, question mark. And I'm like, mm. no, 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 this, this woman's great. Yes. Thank and you. I had no idea what this is, but I really do think I love how you exited tech. I love your stuff and want to be super supportive. And I hope that I really am um, banking on your success. I, I, I love you. the, I just love the creativity and the fearlessness you bring to your work. So well done. Go girl. Thank you so much. That means so much to me. Mutual Admiration Society. I'm of course a huge fan of yours as well. And I'm sure my listeners are too. So where can people find more about you? Oh God, to resist is futile. I'm everywhere. <laughs> ProfGalloway.com, my newsletter, No Mercy, No Malice, my latest book, Adrift. I'm on TV all the freaking time because yep. I'm a narcissist. Um, <laughs> I'm everywhere. I'm like AOL in the in the 90s where you get a disc in your cereal box. I'm <laughs> You're the U2 album Apple put on our phones. <laughs> That's right. Make it stop. Make there it we go. stop. And you can find me at Yay Alexis Gay on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, as well as at Non-Technical Pod on all three. Scott, one more time. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you, Alexis.